Welcome to EHS on Tap. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of EHS Daily Advisor. This week I talked to Christopher Kennessy, CEO of Alert Media, about the evolving landscape of threats that organizations face. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Christopher Kennessy, CEO of Alert Media. Welcome to the show, Christopher. Uh, thanks, Jay, for having me. appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, I was wondering if we could start off um, by having you tell me a little bit about yourself and about Alert Media. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my name is uh, Christopher Kennessy, and I'm the, the CEO of Alert Media. Um, a little bit about the company itself. Um, we, we ha- we're in the, uh, uh, in the threat intelligence and emergency communication space. And so essentially what we do is, is we help them, uh, organizations, enterprises um, identify threats as quickly as possible, quickly understand like which of their employees are impacted by them, and then, uh, and then in a really fast and efficient way, you know, target those employees to communicate with them and then allow them to communicate back so, so we can kind of understand you know, who's impacted and, and, and how to you know, best serve our employees and provide that, that ultimate kind of duty of care. And so um, that's, that's kind of what we do as an organization. And we're, we're based here in, in Austin, Texas, and, uh, and I'm the CEO. And just in the process of uh, moving here, I moved here from Seattle, so left oh, wow. the, uh, the cool, cool climate to, uh, to be here in, in Austin, where it's about 100 degrees for, I think, uh, 100 days in a row. Jeez, <laughs> oh, big change. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, how has uh, the company grown over the last year? Yeah, we've uh, you know we, we've had tremendous growth, um, which is I think due to just we're a pretty customer focused organization, and we we also spend a time a lot of time just um, trying to understand you know uh, employee health safety and and the different requirements of the business around this area. So um, as a result of kind of those efforts, it's really paid off, and we've added about. 600 customers um, in 2021, which is which is quite a large amount, including uh, you know dozens of the Fortune 500, and uh, it's some of the kind of the largest organizations out there. Um, yeah, and uh, and then from a employee growth standpoint, um, just in uh, 2022, we've added 150 employees so far. So we've just seen a lot of kind of increase in demand for our products, and and we always pride ourselves in kind of being a uh, a customer-focused organization, so making sure we're always investing in in, in supporting our our customers. So, and you've got a an employee safety conference coming up. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, one of the you know one of the really unique things uh, about kind of uh, the the safety and security profession is is that no one's competitive, and uh, when it comes to you know keeping people safe, our organizations are are really open at collaborating on it, and so. Um, as part of that, we wanted to, you know, try to bring people together, and and it's something I think people are really looking forward to in this uh, post-COVID world. So we're uh, we're hosting our our first uh, employee safety conference. It's coming up here in a couple months, October 26th through 28th, and uh, we're going to you know feature speaker uh, speaker sessions and have workshops with safety, security, and business uh, resilience experts from organizations like JetBlue. GitHub, the San Diego Padres, and obviously, you know, our own kind of subject matter experts within our, um, you know, with our organization. But th- this uh, this event is isn't uh, a commercial for Alert Media. It's going to be a, a, the opposite. We're going to be spending a lot of time just talking about what are the trends we're seeing in the industry and uh, and and making sure we we create the opportunity for people to share best practices. And so we think there's a real opportunity uh, for for kind of a conference like this out there. So. We're excited to just bring people together. So. Nice. 
Well, speaking of uh, trends in the industry, um, what are you seeing in terms of today's evolving threat landscape? Uh, there's the, the the climate crisis and uh, the resulting kind of severe weather, um, the war in Ukraine that's obviously been uh, on top of everyone's mind, uh, you know, the last few months, uh, the increase in gun violence as, you know, that's probably among some of the top threats out there for, I think, individuals, but especially businesses alike. And, uh, and it seems, unfortunately, it seems that the number of severity, uh, the number and severity of the threats is, is, is going up at an incredible rate. So, um, in fact, we even saw that um, year on year from last year to this year, the number of threats uh, nearly doubled during the March, April and May timeframe. And part of that is that kind of post-pandemic nature of people, you know, going back to, you know, normalized activity. But it's also uh, just simply you know, more threats are occurring than the pre-COVID. And then you add, add into that, you know, the, you know, these, these different things like the, the, the heat waves, the unforeseen floods, the tornadoes and some food shortages more so globally and supply chain issues, which are, you know, uh, all of that kind of leads to an increase in, you know, protests and shootings and, uh, and, you know, that evolving kind of, um, physical threat landscape is uh, seems to be a concern for businesses and in all industries and uh, not really specialized to any sort of vertical market. And when it comes to keeping their employees safe and their operations flowing, it continues to be a, you know, a top area of, of concern for organizations and area of focus. Um, getting to the, the gun violence uh, issue, what are you seeing uh, organizations doing to kind of respond to that? Yeah, it's it's um, you know it's it, it kind of hit us. Um, it, it, first of all, it impacts everyone in the U.S. Um, but you know, as I mentioned to you, you know, we're here in Austin, and the Uvalde shooting was right. was just you know about an hour and twenty minutes away from here. And uh, and I'll just never forget like the morning after the shooting, just coming in here, and uh, and just talking to the to the different parents that are that are employees of of, of Alert Media, and just seeing the concern that they had in their eyes. And so it's something that's that's weighing you know really heavily on on employees, and uh, especially parents, and uh, and I'm sure society as a whole. And so um, kind of back to your original question, Jay, is is kind of what can people do? And it's about you know, having plans in place mm-hmm. and uh, and and just being prepared and uh, and knowing you know what what you're going what actions you're going to take uh, you know when when the moment arises. That's one of the things that that is kind of an interesting dynamic that we've noticed is is in this post you know pandemic world you know what we're seeing is about 50% of the people are going to the office and 50% of the people are are kind of working from home. Uh, and, and that's not an exact statistic. It's just more so of an average that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so as part of that, um, you know, employee employers are starting to have to say is like, how far does that duty of care extend? You know, previously it was, you know, we worried about our offices and uh, and and the employees in the office. And now, when 50% of your employees aren't going back to the office anymore, you know, how does that how does that duty of care extend to um, to to those employees in their home? And then. Uh, and then so so you're acting about you're asking about the active shooter and then obviously from an organizational standpoint you, you kind of think of you know what are the policies and procedures we have in place mm-hmm. you know in in the in the office and across the enterprise but then uh, you know there's also how do we notify our employees that they should probably stay in place if it's happening you know in in a grocery market near their home or or somewhere at a, at a church near their house and so that's you know part of what we do is not just kind of have these 
the capabilities to to do mass communications and communicate to different segments of your um, you know your organization. But so you know we've got this global intelligence team that's analyzing all these threats, and we tend to you know come across you know these threats typically minutes before you know the the broader media publishes it. This is part of that. You know we identify it faster than anybody else. We drop it into our platform. Uh, we know where typically organizations employees are located and uh and we have the ability to quickly kind of notify them so there's things that we help with but uh there's also i, I just general planning that needs to occur as well i think uh at the at the uh, employee health and safety level which which everyone's doing because it's so important yeah and, and you know getting back to the remote working situation i mean obviously you know we've all kind of seen that uh, evolve over the last couple of years. I mean, I'm, I'm still working from home, uh, you know, two and a half years after <laughs> pandemic started, but, um, you know, what, what kind of, you know, you kind of touched on it, but what kind of pressures and, uh, responsibilities do employers have to take on, um, you know, with a workforce that's so spread out now, not all in one place. Yeah, it's, it's, so, um, it's interesting. I, I'm seeing, um, Kind of leaders go through a transition where um, some of them are are kind of being a lot more proactive and and embracing it, and then some of them are saying, "Well, we don't want to have the responsibility to 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 have uh, you know the you know we don't want to feel that we have to own the responsibility to inform people about what's going around in their homes." And so it's 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 not a one size fits all, and it mm -hmm. seems like organizations are kind of embracing it or not embracing it. So. It's definitely it's definitely different from organization to organization, but we, we certainly do see the kind of the more modern, forward-looking organizations that are that are hyper-focused on duty of care, like recognizing that 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 it needs to be extended to the home office, and uh, and that's caused probably one of the bigger upticks in our platform because there's there's most of these organizations the the GSOCs are, are are they're not huge it's it's three or four people and then obviously if you're a large enterprise you may have twenty or thirty. But how does a how does a very nimble team of two or three people how are they able to go out there and 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 extend the perimeter of from from kind of the the corporate headquarter and the different offices to to now potentially having a thousand different you know offices out there that they need to put thoughts and worry into and that's that's kind of where where we specialize because you know, our team does a great job of identifying those threats faster than anyone else we geolocate where the threats are and then we quickly uh, send out an email to you a message or or, or a text or even a phone call letting you know exactly you know which of your employees are impacted by the threat and even down to the distance that they, they are from the threat. So we, we've kind of put a lot of thought, automation, a lot of smart technology into kind of helping us kind of uh, clean up a lot of the noise and then let you know where, where that impact lies and then allow you to decide how do you want to react to it. So. Do you expect um, more employees returning to office situations or do you feel like it's going to kind of um, stay the way it is or even get more remote? Um, I, I imagine over time kind of more people will will want to go back to the to the office just because I think they're going to appreciate the connectivity they can have with their peers and the collaboration and all those sorts of things. But um, I don't think it'll ever go back to the way it was before. And I think you know most organizations out there have kind of um, have learned to to trust the employees that they're being super effective on their own, and and a lot of times even more effective working from home. And so I think there's going to be kind of a, probably a bit of balance. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I think people will go back to the office more, but never to what it was before. So, and I think organizations are already starting to do that, and you're kind of seeing some of that behavior in, uh, in from a commercial real estate standpoint, and seeing people reconfigure figure offices and uh, and and take a bit of a different approach to uh, to welcome employees back. I mean, definitely, you've seen more of like uh, co-working spaces as opposed to sort of set you know offices with desks and you know, cubes and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, and so it's, uh, um, this, it'll be a balance between making sure there's that flexibility, but then people also feel like comfortable, like they've got to, got to have this like home away from home as well. So it'll be interesting to see how, how people balance that. Definitely. Um, how are organizations rethinking risk management and employee safety in this new environment? Um, Employee safety, you know, continues to be kind of top of mind more than ever um, with these kind of physical threats, like I mentioned before, like the current heat wave and, and other severe threats like the floods in Missouri, which, which you know, my, um, you know my, my family is, a lot of my family is from kind of that St. Louis area. And so just the amount of rain that's happened there in Missouri this crazy. week has been crazy. Yeah. And the increase in gun violence, you know, the number of um, kind of mass shootings this year has, I think, you know, drastically increased over prior years. And that's just a handful of things. So, so kind of more and more organizations are, are realizing that successful risk mitigation and crisis management uh, lies in preparedness. So as, as part of that is employees, uh, employers evaluate the safety and security strategies. It's crucial to look at technology and tools that enable that sort of situ situational awareness that I mentioned before for all the employees, kind of regardless of their location. So, and uh, it's even kind of more important for employers and industries that have dispersed workforces with the employees out in the field, as well as those with uh, with other hybrid and kind of remote working offerings. So, yeah. Do you do you feel like you know uh, organizations are taking it a lot more seriously now than maybe they? they did, you know, 15, 20 years ago, just because of, you know, all these additional threats? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely, um, I, th I think they are. And uh, and I think it's also kind of the the, the visibility of these threats and, and kind of how, how large they are. And uh, and it's, it's, you know, for me, probably the most, you know, the, the, the most alarming part of it is, is it's, it's like the shootings have gone up the, the, the weather related, you know, concerns have gone up um, and, uh, and you just kind of can expand from that. So it's, 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 it's protests have all gone up. So if you kind of look at it across the board, it's all, it's all kind of escalating. Yeah. So I think certain people are, uh, certainly people are kind of, are more worried about it. And, and uh, I know you're kind enough to have one of my colleagues, Alex Vaccaro on mm -hmm. um, earlier this year. And we had our, uh, had our, our public safety report that we ended up putting out and then we'll put it out again this upcoming year. And it was pretty pretty interesting for us to see there that that employees were like you know putting it right up there after after pay and sometimes even before benefits that that safety was just an absolute critical like non-negotiable requirement of of employment. So um, because of that, um, we've had a kind of an interesting trend here is just seeing some of the top names in uh, Silicon Valley, um, just big software providers, kind of come on on board as as customers. Um, you know, the big names you recognize, like the Zooms of the world and so forth, because, you know, I think they're, they're very employee focused and want to make sure their employees feel safe and protected and, and kind of be on the forefront of that duty of care. So it's been a pretty fascinating for us to just see the growth in, in that vertical market, but it's it's not really restricted to that market. It's across the board. Mm -hmm. um, 
looking ahead, what do you see as emerging threats for businesses in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, you know, uh, severe weather events um, as a result of climate change will continue to be a, a driving factor for businesses to reevaluate business continuity and business resiliency strategies on a regular basis. And this includes, um, you know, finding new ways to diversify operations, prioritizing employee safety and well-being so that companies can you know, retain staff and keep operations flowing in the event of a disaster in uh, one area of their business or another. And then, uh, and then implementing technologies that enable companies to quickly identify threats, streamline the flow of accurate uh, communication, and act uh, at a moment's notice when when disaster strikes. And I think just just having um, you know having the the threat information and be able to quickly assess who's impacted, you know, I think allows these EHS leaders to, I mean, really HR leaders as well. Um, Kind of be proactive uh, and 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 react in as timely of a fashion as they as they as they can, and we're seeing what's one of the f really fascinating trends we're seeing is that um, you know technologies like ours oftentimes is, is brought in initially by EHS, and then you see the HR function really embrace it as well because they see it as a great way to communicate with with their you know with with the 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 broader employee base, and then you see EHS you know partner with you know, different lines of business like supply chain to, um, mm -hmm. you know, to, to help identify different threats to that as well. And so it's been, it's been, it's been fascinating for us to just kind of see that kind of cross-functional collaboration that starts with EHS. Like once they, they have everything set up and they're in place and align them to be proactive and, and great business partners. So. How much of a concern are you seeing uh, about cybersecurity? Uh, it seems like there's a lot more sort of cyber attacks, ransomware attacks going on uh, in sort of corporate America these days. Uh, you know, what are you hearing along those lines? Yeah, and so it's 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 two part. There's the, there's the how do we identify the threat um, before, uh, you know, or as quickly as we possibly can. And, and, uh, and, and, and that is, that's a little bit more difficult because a lot of times they're, they're not as, as as broad, you know, uh, or, or across the entire industry. Obviously, there was the the big solar winds hack, you know, which ended up happening, you know, last year, which was highly visible. And so those attacks are a lot easier for us to um, to report on and to bring to people's attentions. But most of the the cyber attacks that go on, you you don't even you don't even hear about them because they don't even make the news. Right. But um, you know, the ones that are more visible, those denial of service attacks are, are absolutely something that, that we can we can report on. The the big incidents like the solar winds um, incident, those are easier ones for us to report on. Um, and so from a kind of an advanced warning and kind of like you know identifying the threat standpoint, um, you know we do that. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult because a lot of times it's kind of you know, individuals attacking individual organizations. Mm -hmm. But um, I think the most important thing that organizations can do is make sure they've got a plan in place and make sure they've got a um, kind of emergency mass communication platform in place. Just because if you know someone's, you know, infecting the network, you know, sending out a message as quickly as you possibly can to say, <laughs> do everyone get off the link. network. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the thing is, is, you know, the, the best way to do it isn't to send out an email. Yeah. Or the best thing to do isn't to send out a Slack message. It's to use like a platform like ours, where it's like it's a multi-band messaging platform. And uh, and I've, you know, imagine yourself you're sitting at your desk, a virus hits your network, it's spreading like wildfire, and then all of a sudden you end up, you know, getting 
you know, blast through with the notification on your on your phone, on your Slack, um, on your text message. Your your iWatch is blown, your Apple Watch is mm-hmm. blown up, and uh, and that, I think that will cause people to quickly you know, disconnect off the network, shut off Wi-Fi, and uh, and hopefully stop stop it from spreading. So. Is it more of a challenge because of the remote nature of, of work these days where you've, you know, you've got people who might be more apt to click on things if they're, you know, sitting around their house as opposed to in an office uh, setting? Um, I think sometimes you're, you're more reminded of it when you're in an office setting. So it's, it's maybe a little bit better, but, uh, but I, I, I think it's, 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 you know, it's just a matter of having, just really good consistent training and and, and yeah. awareness and and something that we do here is 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 having regular phishing training and then having those those phishing tests that uh that that you can send out from an organizational level there's great software providers like no before that do that you know we don't do it but just kind of having that discipline and training people and then and then identifying who in your organization is is kind of more likely to click on something than not because it tends to be repeat offenders that are the ones that are likely to click on something. Right. And, uh, and then through that training, you can kind of identify who those people are and then work with them to really understand kind of the magnitude of it. You know, it's just, you go through enough of those trainings, so you're, you're, you're scared to click on anything. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and then the other uh, side of it is responding to, you know, if your company uh, is being, you know, if, if there's ransomware involved and, you know, there's a bad actor asking for, money or something else, you know, how do you respond to that? Like, what do you, what are you seeing organizations sort of, uh, you know, do to kind of deal with that side of it? So when it, when it actually uh, occurs, and, yeah. you know, how do you kind of recover from it? You know, there's, there's, um, you know, there's some services out there that allow you to do kind of like more so real-time backups that a lot, which are which is not easy to do, but to to make sure you're constantly backing the data up and kind of protecting it, segmenting it. There's that element of it, but uh, once it actually occurs and you try to stop it as much as you can, but it's it's there. You know, typically these organizations will have some sort of insurance providers, right? And the insurance providers have, um, you know, they just have a playbook for this, and they and and they have people that come in and kind of help you remediate it and or 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 negotiate if need be. And so there's typically a, a, a service that, that kind of helps you with that. And so, and it's talk about an industry that probably didn't even exist like 10 years ago. That's <laughs> yeah. come out of nowhere. Yeah. Cause and, there's no uh, guarantee and, if you pay a ransom that you even get your data back. Right. I mean, they can just, yeah. To, you know, take off. Yeah. And, and, the, but those insurance costs, those insurance costs are escalating like crazy because yeah. it just keeps occurring out there. So, you know, you just, you just see it like double in price year on year. And even if, even then it doesn't matter if you had an incident or not. And, uh, and so it's, uh, it's certainly a, a growing market and something that people need. Well, I mean, I mean, just, you know, when the stories that the stories that do come out that you hear about, I mean, is it, that's enough to put the fear of God into, I'm sure just about any uh, leadership team, <laughs> you know, to, to want to get a insurance or something to protect them. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but it's, it's kind of, uh, to your point though, it's, it's fascinating to see how the executive team from like five years ago being like, ah, oh, CIT guy, right. you know, he's, 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 what is he really worried about to now? It's like people from the, from the CEO down take this stuff really seriously. So, yeah. Um, wanted to ask you about safety culture and how important is it to organizational success? Um, 
Yeah. So from, from our perspective, you know, having a great safety culture is kind of it's it's a foundational set of beliefs and behaviors that a company upholds about you know workplace safety. And what we see time and again is is when a company prioritizes safety above all else. This uh, not only includes you know a sense of care, compassion, empathy that comes from everyone, from executive leaders to individual teams, but uh, it also includes kind of as part of that is 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 ensuring that you're delivering you know the up-to-date emergency preparedness protocols the training the the modern crisis management technologies and those disaster recovery plans and so um, we find that companies that prioritize you know creating that true safety culture they, they end up seeing real tangible you know benefits um, that comes with kind of that employee well-being and 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 also that business continuity and resiliency so um, when, when employees, you know, sense and know that their um, employer truly cares about their safety and the well-being, it supports uh, psychological safety in the workplace and productivity tends to go up because they trust that they'll be alerted and supported and, and uh, should, should harm come their way. And then ad additionally, uh, organizations that have emergency comm systems uh, and, and are able to quickly respond to events uh, on average about 30 minutes faster, uh, they tend to see an, I, an ROI of about, you know, I think it's like 329% over a three-year period because they they, re, they respond faster than anyone else to these issues. So um, I could say in summary, organizations not only see a positive uh, impact on employee well-being uh, and reduced turnover, but they see significant you know, cost time savings resulting in you know, stronger business resiliency, ultimately putting them uh, putting them ahead in the long run. Um, and wanted to ask you about uh, something you recently rolled out uh, or announced, which is the uh, your global intelligence team. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about that and how that works. Yeah, so so as you know, we have our kind of emergency mass communications platform, right? So that allows us to communicate the th communicate to to teams in a, in a multi-band way globally. Um, and have that two-way communication. And so one area that, that we saw that was kind of lacking was was that that threat identification piece. And uh, and so we uh, pr previously we we actually you know worked with a partner, but we were just never really satisfied that it kind of lived up to our brand as far as you know making sure that you had comprehensive coverage of, of all the alerts and uh, and then and then and then had it in as timely of a fashion uh, as possible. So about two years ago, you know, we built a team of almost 40 people from scratch, and uh, it's our global intelligence team, and uh, and they're and they're located, you know, between here and and the, and the European Union, um, here being Austin, and uh, and and Latin America as well, and uh, and their goal is to you know to 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 scour the world and scour the internet all day long, looking for threats, and and there's a lot of great, really interesting kind of artificial and machine learning technologies out there and, and, and we leverage some of those technologies. But um, what we do is we look at all the threats and we make sure that a, a human, you know, vets and validates every single threat. And then once we, we see that a threat is real, we will look at, you know, secondary and third sources on it and it's been validated, then we, we geolocate that threat and then we publish that threat. And, uh, and so we've gotten, uh, it's probably one of the fastest growing parts of our business, but um, it's it's organizations just kind of especially with 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 teams of people that aren't massive teams and they have to do kind of more with less. Mm -hmm. um, we're able to help those organizations quickly identify the threat, um, understand like which groups of employees like down to like the down to like a distance, like a matter of feet, are are being impacted by these threats, and and we can either 
notify the admin or we can we can automatically you know uh, inform that that employee group and so that's our that's our threat intelligence offering and then uh, and that's provided by our gro our, our uh, global you know intelligence team that does that and uh, it's it's the backgrounds you, you typically expect of, of people with you know uh, coming from three-letter agencies and and law enforcement and 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 journalists as well and just people that are really good at at um you know evaluating threats uh, and assessing them quickly and and then providing information and then uh and then one of the things that we we just announced this week which we're super excited about is our analyst access capabilities and so so not only do we provide you with the threat and we let you know where the threat's located and who's impacted. But uh, you know, there's you know, there's this concept of the fourth wall. We actually kind of break down that fourth wall, and we allow um, you know, we allow you know, you the enterprise to be able to communicate with the analyst that actually vetted the threat. And so, um, so you get a threat saying, hey, New York City, there's a shooting in the subway. We update it for you. We notify you. We let you know which of your employees are are impacted by it. But then you, being you know, and and you know, an EHS leader can quickly you know respond back to you know the analyst saying, hey, what are you hearing about? Is the threat resolved? Do we have the all clear? Is it is it is the you know is the assailant on the move? You know what's going on? What are you hearing? And and we're you know we have a a bunch of different sources that we leverage from you know police radios to whatever it may be to kind of hear what's what's going on on the ground. And so so there's this benefit of 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 not only being notified of it. But being able to ask follow-up questions from the analyst who vetted the threat, and then finally, one thing that's pretty neat that we do is we we actually crowdsource the questions from our customers. And so, if there's other people that are asking, you know, uh, questions that are really valuable, and 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 typically in these situations, time is of the essence. You'll you'll be able to you know log into the threat, see all the different questions that your peers in the industry are asking about this specific threat and how it's evolving, and uh, or, or to find out if the all clear is there. And uh, and 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 be able to quickly, you know, look at those questions, get an answer without even having to ask a question. So yep. So there's our our threat intelligence, you know, team providing providing that type of information, and then there's the ability to kind of interact with them in, in real time via our analyst access offering. Imagine they have a lot to sift through. They do. Yeah. yeah. So that's why it's really valuable for us to. They have a big team because it's 24 by seven, and and mm. and, uh, and then and then uh, also important for us to. Do you know to leverage just a, a variety of different tools that kind of help us to kind of sort, sort through the noise? Because that's the most important thing is to like, is it a real threat? Because right. there's a lot of offerings out there that you know come at you with a fire hose of information, and uh, and it's just not valuable because you'll you'll <laughs> you'll hear you know uh, like some sort of information from someone on Twitch, you know, playing a video game saying something, and that'll end up like popping in as a as a security oh, threat when it's really yeah. not, you know? Yeah. Well, Christopher, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been great. Yeah, no, no, pleasure speaking with you, Jay, and, uh, and thanks for taking the time. All right. That wraps up episode 120 of EHS on Tap. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at ehsdailyadvisor.blr.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. Mm-hmm.